morning, Shane. Morning, Linwin. Thanks very much for joining us. This is the first of a series of uh, Linwin and I are going to do cyber conversations, conversations around the sort of cyber issues, you know, obviously security issues are a main focus there. But Shane, could I get you just to give us a perspective at the beginning as a chief executive of a major bank, this kind of cyber threat, you know, is vastly greater than, than fraud that we're used to. So does it keep you up at night? How do you think about the cyber threats from your position? It doesn't keep me up at night per se, Andrew, um, but what, the way that I think about it, it's, it is one of the most contemporary and significant risks that the economy, not just banks, face. And it just so happens that banks are right at the heart of it, right? So we're, we're, not, the, we're not alone, but we're at the heart of this. Why? Because of the massive amounts of data, customer data, and of course, something of real value, money that we uh, protect. And so... The way that I think about it, you know, we've been in the security business for literally 185 years. That's what banks do. You know, we, we secure people's money and we've been doing that for a long time. And the way we used to do it, of course, wasn't about cyber. It was about old fashioned things like having bank vaults and security guards and all of that sort of stuff. But it's been fundamental in our culture from the very, very, very beginning of banking. So all we've done is really had to adapt to the new ways of doing things. And as we've implemented new technology, over the years, over many, many years, and new products and like credit cards, we had to figure out a way to secure people's ability to make a transaction and know that their data was safe, et cetera, you know, that their identities were safe, and of course, their money was safe. So we've always been, as an industry, massive investors in security. It's core to our proposition, trust. That's what we're about. That's what a bank is. We, you know, if you don't trust us to look after your money and your identity and your data, we're gone. And so it's just part of the business. Now, all that's happened here is there's been a massive sophistication jump in the sort of bad guys, if you will, and the way that, and, and of course, the, the, the way we provide our services today is almost exclusively using technology. So now that risk isn't bank robberies, it's cyber. And so, you know, and, and, and that's why it's right at the heart of our sort of risk management. And Linwin, these new threats, the new ways that Shane is talking about, that's actually why you joined the bank a few years ago now from uh, the public service. So from your position as head of security here, how, does, how do you see that translating strategically and tactically for your role and for what the bank needs to do? I see this as such an important area for the bank, but also for our customers and for the community more broadly. You know, my history in government sort of gave me a broader perspective of how these threats were starting to evolve around the world and the impact they were having. So I really wanted to come, you know, to the front line and, and where I could provide a little bit more help for a, a large company like ANZ, which does security really well. But we know that it's changing all the time. And while we have really good security capability and we invest in it heavily, we can't do this alone. My security team can't do it alone. We really want to get message out to everyone, everyone at ANZ, our customers, our third parties, the community more broadly. And so we're running this series of conversations, these podcasts, to really help everyone understand what their role is, what they can do to help, to understand what we're doing a little bit more, but also just recognise that security is everyone's business. And it's not as hard as people think. You know, it sort of sounds a little bit technical and scary and something that is going on somewhere else, someone else will look after it. But what we're trying to do here is actually just lift the lid a little bit and show people that there are things that everyone can do to help with this. And so we can have this series of 
podcast conversations, talking to a number of people to really get that message out. I think that's so important, Lynn, but you, your point you make there about, I think a lot of people, it is scary and they imagine, oh, it's all about these highly sophisticated technology things that I don't know anything about. But as you and I know, and partly from personal experience, not just in the banks, a lot of it's really basic stuff, isn't it? Just like we've all learned to protect our homes and, you know, lock the door. And, you know, like we might have said years ago, people may have had the back door unlocked or something. We've all learned not to do that or to wear safety belts in our car or whatever it might be, these safety things. And, you know, none of us leave our credit cards lying around, uh, for example. So it's just learning some better habits that all can actually make not just yourself safer, but safer for the overall whole community. You just touched on something there that I've had my identity stolen a couple of years ago. It happens you know, right around the board. But in this series, we're going to talk about different threats that are emerging. One of these is business email compromise. And, and actually, yeah. that's what happened to you, Shane, wasn't it? You had one of these. Yeah, I mean, I think we've probably all received odd strange emails and you know years ago um they used to be pretty amateurish right you know they spelt your name wrong and the logos were a bit all skew if and they weren't real and they were pretty easy to see through bad you know bad english bad grammar that sort of stuff well today they're far more sophisticated and actually um in many cases very difficult to tell and so yes we had a case not that long ago where one of our um countries that we operate in received what looked to be uh, a letter and email from me asking them to um, undertake certain transactions and you know with my signature and my letterhead and you know on the face of it was extremely authentic so yes these things do happen and again it to, to Linwin's point it's yes we've got to have super high-tech super duper stuff sitting in the back but a lot of it's just using common sense and hey would, would Shane really send me that letter I should check you know and and using just having having that cautious approach around things and and asking lots of questions does that seem reasonable that person has really asked me to do that. Hey, you know, why don't I pick up the phone uh, and, and just sort of uh, check? So I think it's some good old fashioned risk awareness techniques on, on that one. But, you know, I don't know about you, Andrew Linwin, I don't think I know anybody who hasn't been subject to some form of fraudulent attempt. And whether it's an email, I mean, the current one seems to be SMS messages or, you know, phone calls you get threatening you, telling you, you know, you're, you're, you're behind on your tax payments or something or rather so there's a there's a wider range of them and they continue to evolve and change this one um lynn when it might be worth us pursuing it in a little bit more detail because for our business customers in particular it's it's a very sort of um critical threat and, and we say business email compromise but what does that actually mean what what's going on here a business email compromise is when uh, someone sends you an email that looks like a legitimate business email um and it's often very cleverly crafted to come from, you know, they do a lot of research, comes from someone that you know and asks you to do something like make a payment or provide some data as opposed to, you know, some of the, the, the emails we see, malicious emails, which are, you know, click on this link or open this attachment. It actually tells you to do something. And so that's actually much harder to detect automatically. And often there's a sense of urgency. And we all have a sort of a set of those called CEO scams because everyone knows they're, they're a bit, you know, wary of the CEO. If the CEO sends you an email and tells you to do something and says it's urgent, I've had this this afternoon, people often stop thinking and just say, I can't question that and, and, and do whatever they're told to do without actually looking and seeing that the email is a little bit strange. Would the CEO really ask me to do this? Or someone's asking me to make a payment urgently, would they really ask me to do that? And so that's a particular type of scam where we actually need people to be wary of that. And as Shane said, 
it's, it's about actually calling it out, saying that doesn't look quite right. Is that, you know, maybe I should just ring up and check, you know, and that's, that's really what we need people to do um, when they're being asked to do something that's unusual, different, doesn't look quite right. And I must say, it's, it's even happened to me, and I talk to people about this a lot, you know, and academically you can say it must be really easy, why don't people do it more? And actually there was an email going around that people had fraudulently created an email that looked like it had come from me, and then they sent it on to other people. And you looked down this email chain and there was Lewin Connick down the bottom had talked about a company saying it was good, there was a a forged contract with someone's signature who'd used to work for me, but it wasn't really their signature. And a whole, you know, quotes from me saying that, you know, I really agreed with this thing and did this. And it made me feel violated. It was a bit like, you know, when someone breaks into your house and, you know, they've been walking around your house, someone's, someone's been masquerading as you. And it was really confronting for me to see that happen. You know, someone was using, you know, my name uh, to tell people to do something when it wasn't wasn't right and that really gave me a different perspective of this to see that happening and so it's something we're really trying to help people detect and understand. And Shane made the point that often it's a matter of stepping back and thinking is this right you know would the CEO do this and just to be a sort of alert to things but there, there's a more staged process we can go through to sort of look at these things isn't there? That's right and I mean we do have a lot of automatic controls that detect, you know, these sorts of messages and scam message and malicious messages and phishing messages currently are detecting and, and blocking about 17 million of those every month. So there are a lot of these things, but, you know, if, if some of them do get through, we want to make sure that people recognise something that's suspicious. And we actually have this really simple acronym that we use just to help people remember the simple things they can do. And we call it a PACT, P-A-C-T, make a PACT to do the right thing. And a couple of things we're asking people to do here is the P is for pause. Before, pause before you share something. Pause before if someone rings you up and asks for your login details and password because they think there's a problem with your account, just pause. You know, who, who's really ringing me up? What are they doing here? Pause before you take the action in the CEO scam or the BEC business email compromise email that tells you to do something. Just pause and call it out. If it looks suspicious, you know, Talk to someone, talk to your supervisor, talk to your colleagues at work, ring the person who it reportedly comes from and, and say, is it, did you really send that to me? You know, there's all sorts of official channels you can report it to. Um, so calling something out is a C in our PACT acronym, but we also ask people to activate two-factor authentication. So if for some reason you have given your password away or it's got compromised in some way, you have a second factor. That means that people can't log in as you if they get compromised. And the T in that acronym is about turning on automatic updates. Because if you're running the latest version of software, you're much less likely to get these compromised emails or, you know, be subject to any sorts of other malicious activity. And Shane, in your case, how did that, that one with the international network play out? Yeah, well, the country was, uh, did exactly the right thing. He did pause and um, basically reached out to say, hey, I've received this, is it authentic? And we were able then to quickly say, no, it's not. And then put in place a whole bunch of sort of checks and controls to try and track what, what had gone on here. So that person did exactly the right thing. And I think sometimes people might be a bit cautious. Oh, I don't want to bug the boss or somebody important. But, you know, and for those of you listening who are 
uh, maybe the, the recipient of those calls, you know, we have to just thank them and say, you actually did the right thing, which is what we did in this case, you know, this person's a bit of a hero, really, because it would have been really easy for them to just, you know, jump on and make that payment they were asked to do and said, oh, well, you know, so-and-so looked authentic and so-and-so told me to do it. So they did exactly the right thing. So in this series, we're going to talk about some more specific incidences of um, emerging cyber threats. But, you know, every day now we see a report around how they're growing, how there's different ones emerging. Um, how are we staying on top of it? I just want to emphasize to people how, how serious this is. I mean, the, the reality is, I mean, there's some estimates and, you know, it's, it's never, not everybody comes forward and tells people, hey, I was um, compromised and, you know, sent money or, you know, money was stolen from my account because of so I did something silly, so not everybody comes forward. But the last estimate that I saw through the Banking Association is that Australians lost over $800 million to sort of scams like this one, you know, where somebody asks you to send money to something or other. That where there's, and not all of them are business email compromises, but that kind of thing. It is a significant problem, and it's growing very fast. And as I said, the sophistication of the perpetrators increases all the time, and they keep shifting and changing their models. And so... It's very, very serious. The way we keep on top of it is with, through the team that we invest in through Winwin's team, which is not only massively investing in sort of all the, the hardcore techie stuff to filter and monitor and check things, but also staying connected and being aware of some of these things. What, you know, if people find new strange things that are happening to be able to report them to our team so that they can, if you will, stick them into their algorithm so that they can keep on top and make sure they're not happening elsewhere. So it's, it's a constantly evolving area and a significant investment for for banks in particular but also other parts of the sort of uh, economy yes we work with a range of partners um, that just help us understand the threat including government organizations so we get lots of really good reporting on what's currently happening so we can tune our technical responses and our controls and we have a range of we call it layers of controls defense in depth to help you know detect these sorts of compromises these sorts of problems but we often talk about people as being one of our most important controls so this so that's you know really at the heart of of doing this properly we're certainly seeing this going up all the time and, and in fact the Australian Cyber Security Centre has just put out today released its its report on what's happened over the last year and business email compromises have gone up again in cost so you know 81.45 million Australian dollars uh, just over the last year in compromises, so it is a big, you know, it is a big impact on you know our customers, on on people more broadly, and so I think it's really important to be sharing information. One of the other things we're doing is we've just developed a new cybersecurity brochure that's available for people, you know, to just understand this a little bit more, how we do it, what we do, what others can do to help protect themselves. But but for me, it's about being connected. It's about knowing what's going on in other organisations in Australia and around the world really having, you know, a, a close understanding on the pulse of what's happening at, at the moment, because these things happen very quickly. What happened last night? What happened this morning? What do we need to do about it to make sure we're always up to date uh, to be, be very well protected as an organisation? But we don't care just about us. We care about everyone else in the community that we work with as well, because, you know, we don't want anyone to be subject to these sorts of cyber attacks. It does. It does I, mean, sound, I know it's uh, overused. Sorry, Andrew, I was just going to say, I know it's an overused cliche, but it is a little bit like you're in your local neighbourhood protecting your house, right? You just want the bad guys to go so, to walk past your house because you've got the security cameras, you've got the door locks and all those sorts of things, right? And really importantly, 
that idea of neighborhood watch that, hey, we don't want them to go next door either. We just want them to not bother. And so being connected with your neighbors and knowing what's happening in the neighborhood is a really good analogy that I think works and the same thing here. You know, A, we've got to protect ANZ and we've got to protect our customers, but actually we're trying to protect everybody and the entire community. And so one of the things that I've, and maybe people aren't aware of, but there's a very, very strong sort of collegiate culture across industry with governments and others to share best practices. This is not a competitive advantage issue. This is about protecting everybody. Yeah, I, it can seem overwhelming that with the technology and the sophistication, but listening to you two and, and what we do in our own training modules at the bank, a lot of it is is really just common sense. You know, the packed thing, pausing, looking. And I know um, when my identity was stolen, and luckily it wasn't ANZ, it was another bank that issued a loan. But when you looked at the application form, you know, the email wasn't the real email, the address didn't make sense. So when you step back, actually, there are things that we can all do and look at it to make, make the neighbourhood safer in that regard. It's an attitude issue, right? You know, we don't want people to be scared but we need people just to be alert and be on just just be alert and be cautious so you know um and i and again i think this idea i think and i really like the way lynn put it before it's people you don't need to be a cybersecurity expert to do this it is basic sort of hygiene habits here uh to protect yourself asking the right questions pausing thinking things through doing that little bit of due diligence but to your point does that email look right that doesn't that's not Andrew's email or that doesn't seem like a reasonable thing that you know Shane would ask me to do I'm going to go and check and so I think it's it's pretty basic things and people are our best protection right across the network here well thanks again very much and Linwin we'll be talking again soon later in the this series but thank you for your time today and thanks very much Shane